Okay, I'm gonna say it to everybody. This is a this is a dad conversation. This is a family talk. Number one, not everything is a demon. I said it. Not everything's a demon. It's your flesh sometimes. It's discipline sometimes. Not everything's a demon. Number two, are you ready for this? I'm saying it from the stage so everybody can hear it. We are not demon obsessed. We do not glorify the demonic. We do not emphasize the demonic. We are not even a deliverance church. We lift up Christ. And wherever Christ is lifted up, he'll draw all men to him. And sometimes deliverance will be necessary. So I'm not demon obsessed. I'm Jesus obsessed. But wherever Jesus is, deliverance is going to start happening. The reason why it didn't happen at your other church is because it was not the right, it was not the right Jesus. It was just a counterfeit Jesus. It was a religious Jesus. It was a Jesus on a statue. It was an American gospel Jesus. So don't be mad at me if I invite the real Jesus into my services and demons start manifesting. Thank you. Thank you for that. So not everything's a demon. We don't glorify demons, but again, one third of all Jesus' ministry as recorded in scripture was driving out demons. And I really do think if you look proportionately at the amount of things I say from this pulpit, it's about one third. And I'm trying to do the ministry of Jesus in the earth. And so I just wanted to say that. Are we all on the same page about that? Okay, next one. I do not believe that a Christian could be demon-possessed. I said it. Come on, use this for YouTube, heresy hunters. Here's your clip. Pastor Mike doesn't believe that Christians can be demon-possessed. But let me break it down for you. I do believe that Christians could be demonized. If you look at the King James, and we don't have time to do an entire sermon on this, King James, which is English. I know right now I'm gonna destroy somebody's whole world. The Bible was not written in English. You, this is just a freebie. Jesus wasn't white. What in the world? That picture your grandma had hanging up where he had blue eyes and blonde hair, that guy's name is Kevin. That ain't Jesus. You ain't gonna find nobody in the Galilee looking like that guy. And if you do, he ain't from those parts. That guy's name was Kevin. Your grandma was pray praying to Kevin. That's why nothing ever happened. Okay, that was free. There's a lot. We're going to do a series that I'm starting Easter day called the real Jesus. Isn't that going to be exciting? We're going to really learn who's the real Jesus. But let me tell you this. So the Bible was written primarily out of three languages, Hebrew, then later on Greek and some in select parts in Aramaic. So it was translated primarily what like, I don't want to get too deep, but in King James English, Elizabethan. So what that means is that phrase demon possessed is a bad translation. When you go back to the Greek and you look at it, it just simply means, and it's used more than 15 times this way, to be under the influence or to be enticed or influenced by. So I don't believe that a Christian could be demon possessed, but I do believe there are many Christians who are under the influence of demons. And I believe that there's a very strong uh, case for this. Now, just a few more things. I was doing a study last night, and in the 60s and 70s, they estimated that in New York City, there were 250,000 rats. In 2023, they estimate it is now over 2 million rats. And I believe it, because it's like the multiverse of Mr. or what's it, Splinter? Is that guy's name? Master Splinter multiverse out here. They've started to um, form gangs. The rats have mobilized against us here in New York City. You know what I mean? They have gangs and it's crazy. I see them plotting against me when I walk down the street and they wait till the moment I get there, like, go now. I'm like, oh, you know, kicking these things. And they're the size of little dogs. If you have a chihuahua in the city, it's been victimized by a rat. It really has been. Your, your, your chihuahua could be eaten by a rat. So here's the thing. 
I was studying about how they have done everything they can in New York City to try to reduce or eliminate this problem, and I was getting into it, but here's the thing. Recently, we became homeowners. Okay, I was tearing the walls out, doing some construction. I found two rat's nests. That's disgusting. My wife is mortified that I'm even telling you right now because we're clean. And my wife, you know, she's like a Karen. She buys all those Tupperwares and seals everything. And, and then me and Bella can't even enjoy the meal. She wants us to put all the dishes away right after we ate it. And I like to do the dishes later. Let me lay down for a second. You know, if Julie ain't like that. You know, little crumbs going, what's that crumb? I'm like, I, I just try to eat. So the fact that my wife like would hate the idea of you thinking we're the kind of people who have rats, the kind of people, the kind of Christians who say, I don't have demons are the same kind of people who don't want you to think that they have mice or rats. It's called dignity. It's called self-preservation. It's called ego. We don't want you to think, oh, I could possibly have a demon. And it's a, it's pride. Because you can't heal what you don't reveal. It's pride. And so can a Christian, okay, but Pastor Mike, and this is the thing I say, and I'm saying this today, if you don't believe it, go to another church next week, you and your demons. How can the Holy Spirit and God, co or how can the Holy Spirit and a demon cohabitate? Well, if the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, you're telling me when you look at porn, he has to watch it with you? You, it's like light and darkness can't cohabitate. I would believe that if you floated into church today and levitated in because you're so holy, you stopped sinning after you said the sinner's prayer. But you believe that the sin, your sin and your carnality can cohabitate with the Holy Spirit. Why not a demon? Let me give you more. And the, you got to understand Jewish roots. You got to look at Judaism. So, so everything is mirroring itself and fulfilling itself and communicating back and forth. So the, from Genesis to Revelation, the books of the Bible are echoing each other. It's like they're quoting each other. It's all a, a narrative that's woven together like a tapestry. So in the old covenant, there were three layers to the temple, the outer courts, the inner courts, and the holy of holies. Now, even animals were allowed to be in the outer courts. Then you go to the inner courts and then the Holy of Holies. The only people allowed in the Holy of Holies were priests. They would have a bell. They would tie a rope around their waist and go through a veil, a thick veil. They would begin to release incense that would cover as a shroud to separate them from the manifest glory of God that would come into that Holy of Holies. If they had sin in their life because they were a representative for the people, they would be struck down dead because God's holy and then that bell would stop ringing and they would hear and they would pull their dead body out of the Holy of Holies. So there's three layers to the temple. None of y'all would have been invited into the Holy of Holies. So here's the thing. Jesus dies on the cross. While he's, when he says it is finished, what happens symbolically? A sovereign move of God happens and the, and the veil is rent which was symbolic of now we have access to boldly go before the throne. Why? Because when you're covered by the blood of Jesus' sacrifice, it's not because you're good, it's because he's good. It's not because you're perfect, it's because you now wear his perfection and it allows you to legally go into a place of God's glory and not die. So in the same way, you are a triune being. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a flesh. When you say the sinner's prayer, I don't know if you get saved when you say the sinner's prayer. I know Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. I, I understand that. But the Bible also is very explicit that there's a narrow road and very few will walk it. And Jesus said extreme things like die to yourself. He said other extreme things like if you can't stop sinning with your hand, and I don't say, don't do this in church because I don't want to clean it up. Chop your hand off so the rest of your body can go to heaven. That's Jesus. Jesus would have been the meanest pastor you ever had in your life. You go to Jesus, Jesus, I can't stop looking at pornography. Chop your hand off, throw your phone away so the rest of your body can go to heaven. 
But you know how we talk? This is the American pastors. Oh, brother, I am so sorry. You probably have some trauma in your past that makes you want to go back to that desire. You know, just come back. We're going we're gonna to walk through this together. Yeah, because he's looking at porn too. Of course he's going to walk with you because you both have fellowship with the same spirit. Come on, somebody. And the pastors that I told they needed deliverance in the last 15 years laughed at me, ridiculed, and mocked me until their entire ministry imploded from sexual perversion, financial impropriety. And here I am still standing, not because I was better than them, but because I'm delivered. It's not about being better. It's about being delivered. Trying to tell me, so not everything's a demon, but homie, you're going so deep into that sin. How is it not? Okay, so right here at this part of our stage was my best friend, Ivan Marty. And we laid him to rest. And I preached his funeral and I preached it with as much fire as I could, like he would have wanted me to preach it. Here on Long Island, if you go back to our coffee shop, you can actually see a plaque that we put uh, on that back little thing so that you, we kind of immortalize his legacy here. Ivan was one of the most real deal believers I ever met in my life. He was saved. Ivan was walking the narrow path. That guy was the real deal. But here's the thing. When, his, when he accepted Christ and he walked that narrow path, his spirit was regenerated, but not his body. Doesn't that make sense? We did his funeral. I'm going to die one day. You're all going to die one day. Our body is not regenerated. And so it is possible that the Holy Spirit dwells in your spirit, but cancer, which is not the will of God, dwells in your physical body. And we all agree. It's possible. Jesus, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did Jesus bore all of our sin, sickness, shame, and all that? And then why did Jesus, okay, why did Jesus walk around healing everybody if he didn't want us healed? So it's possible, pastor, to have cancer in your body, that's not the will of God, but the Holy Spirit's in your spirit. Okay, let me go one last step closer because I want to make sure I'm speaking to this in our entire house. It is possible to have the Holy Spirit in your spirit, but actually have a vexing, tormenting, enticing spirit in your body, in your mind, and in your emotions. Oppression versus possession. Well, let's delete possession because you're not owned by any demon, you're owned by Jesus Christ. But just because a rat is in my house doesn't mean it has the deed to my house. It means it's influencing and inhabiting my house illegally. I didn't give it the right to come. But since when did the devil play by the rules? Since when does he ask permission? He's a violator. And so guess what? You've got rats in your house. Don't try to cover it up. Can you imagine going to dinner, Dean, and we're hanging out and rats are running everywhere? And I just keep telling you, I can't have rats. It's not possible to have rats. Rats can be around my house, but they can't be in my house. I can be oppressed, but not possessed. As soon as they find a way in, they're coming. And the thing I'm trying to help many of you understand is you're having these theological arguments, but follow the fruit. I tell people who say, okay, you tell everybody a Christian can't have a demon. What's the fruit of that kind of teaching? A whole bunch of people who never checked. The fruit of my ministry is let's rip open the walls and let's find a nest, which is a stronghold or a rat, which is a demon. Either way, they're both coming out. And the fruit of this ministry is freedom. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. All right, let it be so, Lord. Man, look at these French fries talking about demonic. Okay. Are you, are you at Daniel 3? Because I'm about to do a Bible study now. But I want to get that out of the way. If you're going on the Israel trip, tonight's the Zoom. Don't miss the Zoom. It's going to be awesome. Uh, this Wednesday, we have a V1 men's prayer meeting that's going to be on Long Island and Indiana, but we're combining New York City men with Long Island. Women, how amazing is, is it going to be to see your men praying in this house across all our campuses? It's going to be amazing. Okay, and so we're going to jump into this text. Let me start with some statistics to help you understand the severity of what I'm saying. 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit internet pornography websites 10% of U.S. adults admit to having an addiction. That's one out of every 10 person that you meet in America admits to having an addiction. That's how many more never admit it. According to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 
19.7 million adults aged 12 and older battled with substance abuse since 2017. That's 19.7 million people. As of 2020, over 37 million people 12 and older actively used solicit drugs. So we got a problem with our sexuality. We got a problem with our appetite. Last but not least, this is crazy. Fact check me, millennials. I know you love to Google while I'm preaching. Is that true? Is that peer reviewed? I'm secularly educated. I'm bringing the best I can. Don't come at me with that peer review. Everything, yes, those were peer reviewed statistics. But here's the one that really blew me away. Newsweek magazine said that the number of witches rises dramatically across the U.S. as millennials reject Christianity. Watch this. With 1.5 million potential practicing witches across the U.S., witchcraft now has more followers than the 1.4 million mainline members of the Presbyterian Church. Everything's not a demon. They're demon obsessed. Okay, we've got millions of people addicted to drugs. We've got millions of people admitted that they're addicted to pornography. And now, if you are raised in the Presbyterian churches, witches outnumber you here in the United States. If there isn't a time to sound the alarm, open up our spiritual eyes, stop doing your stupid Bible study with four and five other Christians all just pontificating and trying to impress each other with knowledge and go out into the world, fulfill the great commission, lead the lost to Christ, go out and find the scattered and lost sheep that have backslidden and bring them back. Because homie, the world doesn't need your opinion. They don't need your blog or your YouTube channel. They need Jesus Christ and the unadulterated word of God. And so I didn't show up here to see who can become more popular. I showed up to see who can make Jesus the most popular on the planet. Because we don't need dead dry religion and we know the occult doesn't work anyways and we know that drugs and alcohol don't fulfill but I do know one thing that Jesus satisfies more than anything else I, I know that he satisfies so you look at Daniel chapter 2 we're about to have a Bible study together yeah Okay, so Daniel chapter two, you have basically four characters I want to highlight, and then there's a villain. How many of you know the Bible says that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in high places? So behind every person is a spirit. Say it with me. Behind every person is a spirit. Come on, let's say it one more time. Behind every person is a spirit. Now, it's not always a demonic spirit. I hope that behind me in my life is the Holy Spirit. And I pray that when you get close to me, there's a conviction from God and not condemnation, not guilt and shame. But you know what conviction really does? Conviction reminds you of your true identity. The def oh, come on. The definition of conviction is being reminded of your true identity. Come on, somebody tweet that. Come on, send that to Elon Musk trying to get us to Mars. I'm trying to get us to heaven. You can, you can live on Mars and still go to hell. See, this is the most important thing I could tell you in this hour. Behind every person's a spirit. Behind your life is a spirit. Jesus said crazy things. He said, you either belong to Satan or you belong to, to God. And so when you look at Nebuchadnezzar in the story, chapter two, he's the king over Babylon. Everybody say Babylon. Remember, behind a person's a spirit. So there's a Babylonian spirit, Nimrod. Babylonian spirits that you see in scripture. What is the spirit of Babel? It's a secular spirit. It's a seducing spirit. It's a tantalating and stimulating spirit. It's a spirit that would desire to have a false unity. When you begin to look at this, and remember I said, I'm not gonna hold back on you. It's like you had Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel were asked to come into, so they left a Hebrew society and they came into a Babylonian society. It's almost like the new covenant echo that says you are in this world. What does it say? But not of this world. It means you live like, you live on Long Island, but don't live like a Long Islander. 
It means like in Manhattan, we have little Italy because the big Italy is many, many miles away. But the little one, we eat like we live there. We talk Italian like we live there. So here's the question. If you are from a distant place called heaven, do you talk like it? Do you live like it? Is your home little heaven or is it little hell? Babylonian. Babylon. The first row's getting it hard. I've got to step away. They're over here crying. Open up the altar. He's spitting on us. <laughs> Chapter two basically begins to say that there is this, there is this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. And what Nebuchadnezzar wants to do is he wants to get an interpretation of this dream, but he's very intimidated by the idea that he has these spiritual advisors. They were like occultists. So they were involved in like, almost imagine it like cult-like pagan, you know, activities, supernatural. So he's getting intimidated by the idea, what if they're all fake? What if they're all charlatans? So he, he puts out a demand. He says, I want you to tell me the dream I had, and then you tell me what it meant, which is impossible. And so what he was trying to find out was who's lying to me, because I could tell anybody my dream, and they could just make something up and tell it back to me, Right? Just like you go to a psychic medium, some of them have supernatural abilities that are demonically empowered. A lot of them just understand psychology. Charlatans. And he was trying to sift them out. So guess what? They all tell him, we can't do what you're asking. It's impossible. And then he goes, okay, cool. Well, here's the consequence. I'm going to rip you all apart and kill you. So then this man named Daniel, a Hebrew, he rises up and he was like, wait a second. I'll tell you your dream and I'll tell you what it means. And he does it. And all these false supernatural advisors, their jaw drops because they're like, there's no way he could have done that unless he does have some kind of supernatural power. See, in times where the Babylonian spirit is rising, there's always gonna be the fake versus the real. This is why there's more witches than Presbyterians right now because the fake is rising. But see, I got good news for you. We're training prophets here at V1 faster than they're training witches. <laughs> oh, I felt chills all over me. We're training deliverers more th faster than they're training demonically influenced warlocks. So I got good news for y'all. We ain't going to be outpaced by them. I was uh, preaching at my good friend Isaiah Saldivar's church in, in uh, Stockton, California. And the security ran to me and they were like, they showed me a picture and they were like, this is a known witch and a known warlock. They circled the picture and they're like, we just want to tell you whenever there's a guest speaker, they come and, uh, you know, they, they, they do curses the entire time, but we don't tell them to leave because we want them to hear the gospel. And we don't think it'll work on you anyways, because our intercessors are praying. And I said, well, praise God, let's rock them. So all of a sudden, three services later, the security team's cracking up, laughing hysterically. And I'm like, what, what's so funny, guys? Everything all right? Like, what happened? And they show me another picture, and they said, We're, we can't make this up. They've come for every other guest that's preached at this church, but they, but they just responded to the gospel. They showed me a picture of the witch and warlock's hands in the air, and they were weeping, crying, and they had accepted Christ as their Savior. How many of you know that wherever there's the prophets of Baal. There's going to be an Elijah calling down fire from heaven. God is not intimidated by your power because he is the name above all names. They came near to curse me. They ended up accepting Jesus. Won't he give you a blessing for a curse? Come on, go tell that to all your witch friends. I will, mom. And you know, I, I do want to honor you because when we were in that movie, my mom, there was a certain part of the movie where we just started weeping uncontrollably. I mean, we found the ministry of deliverance when I was a teenager. This was the mid nineties, 25 years ago. And I would just looked at my mom. I said, did you ever think we'll be, we'd be in the movies and we would be seeing deliverance in the movies? We've been so mocked, so ridiculed, so beat down by this. And all we were trying to do was put back what the American church deleted. We don't even want it to be about deliverance. I don't want to be a deliverance church. We're just trying to put back what they deleted. Just put it back. 
Just allow us to cast demons out of those who need it. And we were just weeping. And so you're a true pioneer because you said yes and you saw it before many other people. Wow. So behind every, every person's a spirit. I'm, I don't have too much more to go, but I wanted to show you this because in, in Daniel chapter two, then the Hebrew boy, well, Hebrew young man, Daniel begins to rise up. Now, Daniel, he, he now is confirmed. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar said. Nebuchadnezzar said, Hey, I'm going to put you over this whole province of Babylon and I, I'm, I'm going to confirm you. I'm going to lavish you with gifts. This is what he did. He used that promotion to actually bring his friends into promotion. He said, no, 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 don't put me in charge. Bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego too, because they're one of us and they'll help rule with wisdom. Now, this is a word of the Lord prophetically to many of you in this church across every campus. Stop being promoted alone. There's something about unity that has to be in this season. Stop being promoted alone. Make sure that your concern is not God lifting you up, but your concern is, God, when you lift me up, who can I bring with me? If you're not a part of the men's group, the women's group, if you're not a part of young adults, if you're not on the dream team, I'm telling you, stop being that isolated, lonely Christian who's asking God to promote them, but doesn't see an opportunity to bring your friends with you. You know, I gotta say that because... Uh, there's something, when I read Daniel chapter two, I got my mind blown and I'm like, wow, Daniel, he used his biggest moment of promotion to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with him. So that's why they call us the demon slayers. One of us gets promoted, we take all of us with us. I don't agree with those men about every single thing they say, but we believe about that. We agree on the gospel and we believe on the fundamentals and we're moving forth in unity so we can just run rush out all over the devil. And so for many of you, you've been living in isolation and it's like you want a sermon without a preacher. You want information without impartation. And so come on into the family of God a little bit deeper. So now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are put in a high position of authority and they're now, okay, are you ready? This is like the grand finale. This is chapter three. It says, this is verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. And he set it up at the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officers and all the officials and advisors. And then the herald shouted, people of all races and nations and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the pipes, and musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Okay, follow me. Ancient demons with new branding. Same devil, different logo. Same devil, different color scheme. Come on, somebody. This is a rebrand. So Babylon is a demonic network that is still functioning today. The spirit of Babylon is enticing every single one of you. It's seducing your children. It's a network and an infrastructure. It's a belief system. And I want to show you in chapter three how deep this goes. It starts with King Nebuchadnezzar making an image. Everybody say image. Okay, follow me. Because we are not verbal, we are visual. Matter of fact, most most communication, what do they say? Over 70% of all communication is non-verbal. Why? It's visual. And so when you see something, you become what you see. The Bible says that your eyes are the window to your soul, which means that from your eyes, it goes into your mind, into your into your soul. And so he makes an image and everybody has to bow down to that image. There is an image. Pornography is images. When you are watching a camera, you think you're watching a movie, but each camera has a setting. How many frames per second? 30 frames per second, 24 frames per second, 60 frames per second. So when you are watching a movie or YouTube or Instagram, all you're watching is 30 images per second. Think about that. The devil is always trying to put it in hyperdrive. 
I've been studying vaping. Vaping is roughly two and a half times one cigarette each puff, and it just shoves as much of those the nicotine into your body to just make your dopamine go insane. So it's like, what is a movie? Instead of one picture, it's over. It could be 60 images per second if that's the frame rate. The enemy, the enemy is just trying to overdose you. Do you get this? Overdose you. There's an intensity to it. Wine in the time of Jesus, the historians have speculated. They think that the wine in Jesus time, because they didn't have modern sanitation, the common table wine would have been one twenty-fifth of the potency and alcohol content of today's wine. Did you hear what I just said? And so now they have beers with over 12% by volume. They're turning everything up. The, the drinks that kids drink, it's the nicotine, the caffeine, it's everything's getting dialed up. The weed that Dean smoked in the 70s. Did you get free? He said, yeah. That was a different weed. You, oh, people, somebody don't think I know. They're dialing everything up. Because the desire of the enemy is always to increase the intensity and it feels so good. But freedom, all, false freedom always feels good in the beginning. And this is what happens. It says, when you hear this music, I just read you chapter three, verses one through 15. When you hear this music, bow. Now, if you have a dog and you give your dog treats, you know what happens when they hear the sound. As soon as they hear you rustling around, this is what you hear. And that dog comes running. Because why? You've given them a, you've, they've heard the noise and you've given them a treat. They heard the noise and you've given them a treat. They heard the noise and given them a treat. Now you can make the noise without a treat. They salivate. Pavlov's dogs. What's the implication of it? You have lived your entire human existence here on planet Earth being continually and perpetually primed by the demonic infrastructure of Babylon. I open up my phone, I see sexually perverse things, and I get a dopamine reward. I eat food that I shouldn't put in my body, but it feels so good when the dopamine surged to my brain. I, I talk a certain way, I act a certain way, and we're living primed, and here's what it is. Sound treat. I hear the sound, get the treat. 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 And see, God wants to set you free, but you live in Babylon as a Hebrew. And it's, it is hard to live in this world, but not act like this world. But see, we must join together like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. There was only four of them. But I know from these scriptures, I'm going to tell you the end of the story now, that four people that won't bow to that stuff, just four people can change a nation, just four people who refuse to bow, just four people. Listen, there's nine and 10 million people here in New York Metro, but give me 2,000 of them that won't bow. And I do believe that we can change this region. I believe that we can change Miami. I believe, see, here's what happened. They keep getting burned out on their sin. They keep drinking, smoking, cussing, having sex. They keep trying to binge on dopamine. They keep trying to uh, go after the image of the world, which even is an illusion of success. But when you meet the end of it, that's where Jesus is waiting with open arms to say, now I give you another image. I am the image of your your father in heaven. And when you see the image of Jesus, you're looking into the true image of your very making because every single one of you, according to chapter three of Daniel, you have a Babylonian name and you have a Hebrew name. Come on, somebody. If you are a Christ follower, there are identities that you have received that Christ did not give you. You might be calling yourself poor. You might be calling yourself addicted. You might be calling yourself an adult a fornicator, but I want to know your Hebrew name because before Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel moved to Babylon, they had different names. The problem is you can get called that name so much you forget what your real one is. Oh, you heard me. You're going to go into work tomorrow and whoever you've been at work for the whole time you've been there, that's who they're going to call you. 
That's how they're going to treat you. You can go to spend the holidays with your family and whoever you were with your family for all those years, that's the name they're going to call you. That's why the hardest thing to do is to live in Babylon, but remember your Hebrew name. See, for me, I'm going to tell you a story. When we got this house, I hired some guys to come in and do some construction. And to be honest with you, holding this microphone right now does not make me a Christian. You know that, right? And, and I think it's real easy to do a sermon. It's really hard to lead people to Christ out in the world. I would never ask my church to lead people to Jesus out in the world and not do it myself. And these men were working at my house. And one day I was back in the garage and I started getting super convicted. And I was like, Lord, help me lead these guys to you. Not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm a preacher, because I'm an Israelite living in a Babylonian culture. And all they know is the ways of Babylonia. But I want to teach them your ways, God. And I said, how could it be? Could you imagine how embarrassed I would be to get to heaven and find out that these young men went to hell, but they were working in Mike Signorelli's house for weeks and weeks, and they never got saved and delivered? So I stopped right there in my garage. I locked the door, and I got down on my knees, and I said, God, help me. Give me, give me away, God. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a believer, and I want to lead these young men to you. I came up out of the garage. I kid you not. I come back out, and one of the guys goes, hey, Mike. He goes, before you leave, um, I'm an atheist, and he is a Christian, but uh, we were having a discussion about whether God exists or not. What do you think? You're a pastor. What would you think? And I'm like, And I started to have the conversation and I was saying things they had never heard. Because listen, all these fake theologians on YouTube, some of them have only been saved for 18 months, 19 months. Do you know the Bible actually says if you're a Christian, you shouldn't want to be a teacher because teachers actually have double judgment? This thing is sacred. This pulpit, just because YouTube gave you a pulpit doesn't mean you should take it. And so there's a lot of people out there saying nonsense, illogical bad philosophical. It's just bad. It's no substance. And so I was telling them things they never heard before. And they were like, no way. And they were getting their minds blown. And then the one guy kids, you not the other guy goes, you know, where is your church? Because we live on long Island, man. I almost started crying. I didn't have an intention to invite them to my church. I had an intention to invite them to their maker. I just wanted to give them Jesus, no strings attached. And they begin to ask, and I said, guys, I know that you've been working and it's been crazy, but I would love for you to come hang out with me just one time or whatever. I believe we're going to see the fulfillment of that testimony real soon. But why do I say that? Because I have to constantly remind myself what my true name is. Because sometimes even the title Pastor Mike can get in the way of my true name. I don't want to become a professional Christian. There's going to be so many people who stand before him, professional Christians, and he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. And so my heart right now is bleeding right in front of you guys because, and this is the dividing line that I want to create. These Hebrew boys, they get, see what happened was there was a time before the fiery furnace. Nobody talks about. We, everybody's waiting for me to get to the punchline of this sermon where I finally dropped. They were in the fiery furnace and there's one more person. That's the least important part of what I'm saying. It was them hearing the sound of all these musicians every day and desperately wanting to get down and bow and watching everyone else bow and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't. And what would happen was every single day they would be like this standing while everybody else was bowing. And the word started to spread. You know, those Hebrew boys, they don't bow when we all bow. I will tell you this, for whatever God has got, Satan has a counterfeit. And Satan does not come to bring disunity in the world. He comes to bring disunity in the church, but he comes to bring a false unity in the world. Can I preach this unapologetically for 20 seconds? The world will unite around political agendas 
The world will unite around flags because behind every person is a spirit. The, go ahead and open up Apple Maps and now they will tell you which business is inclusive and which one is not inclusive. It's gotten to the point where embracing and accepting their ideologies is the only right thing to do and anything else is hate speech. In my in New York City, where I live in my neighborhood, during the Christmas season, Christ was not celebrated in any of the local schools. I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was having conversations with school teachers in my neighborhood because what happened is they will, they will bend towards other agendas. If you, I'll tell you this, if you meet somebody and they say, hey, why are you wearing all those bracelets? And, you know, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Yeah, I dabble in Buddhism. In, in 2023, that's cool. They'll climb the social hierarchy. That's cool. Oh, so-and-so, they're, and what will they say? They're open-minded. Yeah, their mind is so open that it's susceptible to the demonic. And so now being spiritual but not religious, dabbling in Buddhism, that now has become, that's cool. Then I will tell you this, uh, Andrew Tate was the number one most Google person in the world last year. Older folks probably have no idea who this guy is. All of your children know who he is. And Andrew Tate was the most Googled man on the planet. And when he started to observe, should I become a Christian or should I become a Muslim? He chose Islam because he said the Christians don't actually believe the own, their own tenets of their faith. The most Google man on the planet became a Muslim. And I was thinking about Daniel chapter three, contrasting with Revelation chapter 13. One, Nebuchadnezzar, the other one, the Antichrist. It's not anti-Buddha. Matter of fact, we're pro-Buddha in this world, in Babylon, modern-day Babylon. We're pro, you're, you're a Buddhist, that makes you so cool. Oh, you read the Hindu Vedas and, and you celebrate aspects of Hinduism? Man, you're so open-minded. It's not anti-Hinduism. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ. So the war that we're fighting right now is go into your job and tell them that you need time to pray. Muslim pray multiple times a day. When I go to Israel, and many of us are going to go together, there's a horn and a sound that's released. And Okay, it's almost like the same pattern, Pastor Daniel. A sound is released, and then all the Muslims in the Middle East begin to bow. Daniel chapter 3, same spirit, different name. But then you tell your boss here in New York and Long Island that you need Sundays off to go to church and watch how fast you get fired. Oh yeah, all the New Yorkers are saying, amen. Now remember, we don't battle against flesh and blood, so don't start fighting. Don't bring a sword to work tomorrow. It's the sword of the spirit. Why did I say that? It's anti-Christ. And so here's the thing. This culture is demanding that you bow. It's demanding that you bow. And there's always a sound connected to the bowing. Okay, I wanted to do this because I didn't want my daughter, who is a teenager, to think that her dad's lame and I don't get it. And, you know, I, and I'm referencing old stuff nobody cares about. So I went to Apple Music because I wanted to see it's the same demon. And many of you probably are going to be like, this is demonic or this is satanic panic. This guy's legalistic. He's taking it too far. But when some of the main songs that are in culture right now are saying the, the word Percocet 15 times in a row, Percocet, 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 and you don't think that they are demonically trying to infiltrate your children's psyche to reduce or eliminate their sin. See, do you remember the first time you sinned, you felt bad? The first time you did it, you felt bad. The second time you felt bad. The third time you felt bad. By the hundredth time, you had seared your conscience. How many times do these songs have to repeat these words until it's not a big deal, dad? It's the same spirit. So I was looking. Now, if you go to Apple, there's a category that says artists we love. I don't know who loves these artists, but these are the artists that we love. See how it's unity. It's, it doesn't say artists Apple loves. It says artists we love. It's, uh, so Steph loves these artists, and we all love them. no. But do you see that? It's this false demonic unity. And so here's the artist that we love. Drake, 
Beyonce, Bad Bunny, Harry Styles, who cross-dresses, Doja Cat, Future, Jack Harlow, Lil Durk, Zach Brown, or Brian, Lil Baby. Now, why do I say that? Because some of you are like, oh, he's gone too far. This is one of those churches. We can't have music, blah, blah, blah. Now, isn't it funny that when you leave Italy, you come to America and you make Little Italy? Now we got Lil Dirk, Lil Baby. Yeah, the devil does want you to remain a baby. Actually, what Paul says is, when I was a child, I acted like a child, but now I've put away childish things and I've become a man. We don't need little babies. We need big men to rise up, up against lust and filth and pornography and all this stuff. That's what we need. And if little babies watching right now, become a big man, little baby, because we need big men in this world. Why am I saying that? Because when Daniel came to Babylon from Israel, they castrated him. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came, they castrated him. And I'm here to tell you, it may not be physical, but the same Babylonian spirit is trying to castrate our men, trying to emasculate our men. When Samson stood in the temple and pushed down the pillars of, of the temple, he was in a temple of a spirit called Dagon that was half fish, half man, half woman. That transgender spirit is a spirit. It's been here since Dagon. It took Samson pushing the pillars down. And I want to know who will push the pillars down of these demonic infrastructures and say, you can't have my sexuality. I'm giving it to the one who authored all sexuality. You can't have my identity. I have a Hebrew name. L-G-T-B-Q plus I-A pronouns. When Jesus asked the demonized man, what's your name? Legion responded in plurals. It's the same demon. You got kids retelling, like they're, they're taking plural pronouns. That's how demons talk to Jesus. In plural, we are legion for we are many. If you are a they, you are plural. I used to be a high school English teacher. They, them, that's plural language, but that's how demons talk. But you don't know that if you don't read the Bible. And if you have a pastor who's deleted every scripture out of the Bible about deliverance, you've never even seen your Savior confront a demon. So how can you do it? But it's a false identity. We had a guy that attended this church early on who was a drag queen. That's a false identity. There's a root always to it. And some of you are being offended right now. Praise God. I, this is the most loving message that a pastor can preach. I said, what's the root? Finally, we got down to it. He was raised in a family where his father would not let him look him in his eyes. And then when he found the approval of his heavenly father, all of a sudden he got radically saved. He got delivered as well. And then guess what? He sends me a picture of all these boxes full of wigs and makeup. I never asked him to throw it away. But you see, here's what happened. He came to me and he said, Pastor Mike, when I realized that all of this drag queen persona was me trying to get the eyes of men on me because I couldn't get the eyes of my biological father on me. Once I knew my heavenly father saw me, their eyes didn't matter anymore. And I don't need this drag queen persona. And I'm not destined to be a queen. I'm destined to be a king because my father is the king of all kings. And all of a sudden we had a funeral service to his drag persona and then a year later we debuted him on worship with the song break every chain and then six months later he got engaged to a woman on the worship team and then five years later he's still happily married to her because the devil is a liar And I'm not anti-LGBTQ plus AI. This is not gay bashing, but behind every infrastructure is a system. And it's a Babylonian spirit that's lying and seducing. And let me tell you what the root of it is, because the Lord showed this to me the other day. It's because our young people, they think that freedom is making their own identity. So freedom is I get to make my own identity. My mom calls me this, but I call myself this name. They call me uh, she. I'm going to call myself this pro. It's the idea is I get to make my own identity. It always feels like freedom in the beginning. 
It always feels like freedom. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Adam did not make himself. He was made. And when you delete God out of our culture and you delete the God out of our society and you tell people that we're primordial goo that, that mysteriously came together, just like they want, that's the equivalency, Daniel, of me believing that my house formed over a long enough period of time. The nails and the wood just all came together. Matter of fact, Daniel, that would have been easier than a human being because that's just a simple structure. But we were made. We were made. We have a maker in the garden out of the dust. We were made. He breathed his life into us, the spirit. But when you have a whole atheistic society, you know what they say? I can make myself whatever I want because there is no meaning. So I'm going to create meaning. And so creating meanings, whether it's pronouns or sexuality or hair color or tattoos or affiliations or gangs or whatever it is, is better than nihilistic nothingness. So they will tell you that in all this depression and anxiety and, and all of these sleepless nights and this, and this suicidal tendency, naming myself and creating this identity, it's better than nothing because the alternative is my life doesn't matter at all because it's all random and there is no God. But I come with the best news, the best news that I can tell you. And I'm not gay bashing. I'm literally doing the opposite. I'm opening the door to freedom to say, the story is so much better than you realized. You were made before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew you. He knit you together. And you are here by his design. And here's the greatest freedom, the true freedom, is we don't make our identity. We receive it. We receive it because fathers always give identity. You know, most of the fear and anxiety you feel in your life is you trying to make your own way. Christianity is the opposite. Jesus said, come, it's going to hit different. Follow me. Don't make your own path. Follow mine. Don't figure it out on your own. Just keep your, oh, I feel the anointing. Now you're getting a revelation. Don't, don't figure it out on your own. Just watch me do what I do. Talk like how I talk. Walk how I walk. Come and follow me and see all these Americans so medicated and filled with anxiety and depression. All of these people claiming to be Christian, suicidal and high on THC and ripping do dopamine full of all this nicotine in their body. Don't understand the revelation is we don't make a life. We lose it. The Bible says when you lose your life, that's when you find it. And so to somebody who's like, I'm this pronoun, I'm, I'm, this, I'm on the LGBTQIA, I'm this, I'm plus, I'm this, it just continues to increase. And I'm not, listen, I want you to hear me. It's never going to end. But see what happens is, here's, how many of you saw the Jesus Revolution movie? Ten years ago, the Lord told me, prophetically, he said, there's going to be a second Jesus movement. If you've attended this church for the last five years, you'll realize I did three sermon series on the Jesus movement before the movie. And the reason why is because the conditions were the same. 10 years ago, before many of the figures of the movie you watched died, I, I was like a stalker and found their phone number and would call them and be like, I know you never met me. My name's Mike Signorelli. The Lord showed me, that makes me want to cry now. The Lord showed me there's going to be a second Jesus movement. What did you learn from the first Jesus movement? And they'd be like, okay, son, let's talk. And some of the figures of the Jesus movement that you watched the movie about, I would have two-hour conversations with them. And this is where a lot of this preaching is coming out of. Because what they told me was that in the hippie movement, they had this phrase, free love. The only problem with free love is it costs you everything. It's free love until you end up with a sexually transmitted disease. It's free love until you end up with an unwanted pregnancy and no ability to provide. It's free love until you end up getting your heart broken by polyamorous relationships. It's free love until you decide that, oh, wow, it's hurt people hurting people. And they said the hippies, same thing with drugs. Everything about the drug, it was recreational. Hey, we're going to concerts. We're, we're, we're hearing the sound. And then all of a sudden, after years and years and years of hippie culture, 
Here in the United States, people reached the end of it and they started waking up. This is not the way. This is not, this isn't freedom. It's actually bondage. But did you know that the devil always presents it as freedom? So here's the question, and maybe the band can help me out with this. The question I want to close on today is, this is the question, because some of you might be like, I can't believe he said that and took such a hard stance on LGBTQ+. I can't believe he took a hard stance on drugs and alcohol. I can't believe that, yeah, this church is not for me. They're not accepting. They, they, they're not tolerant. But I want to tell you this. Just hear my heart. I think the most loving thing I can do is take somebody back to the ancient paths and say before cell phones, before the internet, before 24-hour news cycles pumping you full of fear, there was this garden and God created a man and when that man expressed loneliness, he said, out of you, I will create a woman. And they slept together in the covenantial relationship of marriage and they populated the earth. The Bible says the first Adam fell So Jesus came as the second Adam to redeem it all. So what I'm telling you is if I believe deaf ears can open, if I believe that MS can actually be healed, that a woman with PCOS can have all the tumors and cysts healed in her body, which I have seen with my own eyes, the medical verification, I believe that somebody's sexuality can be completely transformed by the Holy Spirit. But guess what? I'm heterosexual. And what's not transformed must be surrendered. There's the submissive God, will of God and there's the permissive will of God. Some will say, Pastor Mike, what about all these Israelites who had multiple wives? That was never God's plan. Don't ever think that because he lets you get away with it, he approves it. I'm taking you back to the original design. And the reason why I'm saying this is such an unpopular message is because this is a prophetic message. Mark my words. Many pastors are getting ready to go full apostate. Many pastors are getting ready to become heretics. Many Christians that you know, because of the love that they have for other people, but it's a false love, it's a human love, will begin to condone and excuse sin and behavior, partly because they have been discipled to condone and excuse their own behavior. But I'm raising up a standard. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, I will lift up a standard against him. And so what does that mean? It means when you go to Target, when you go to Walmart, when your kids go to the public school and everything is celebrated except for Jesus we must lift up a standard against this flood of filth that the enemy is trying to bring into our lives and into our minds we've got to say God lift up this standard and you tell your kids I don't know why they don't celebrate Christmas I don't know why they don't celebrate Jesus but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord Is there a Shadrach? Is there a Meshach? Is there an Abednego? Is there a Daniel in New York City? Or are they all gone? Is there somebody on Long Island who says, I'm going to submit and surrender, and I will not go to that fiery furnace alone? If that's you, just jump up to your feet right now if that's you. If not, you stay seated. Take a stand. Take a stand. Okay, watch. There's a difference between respect and celebration. You guys may have heard what I said and said, oh, I could never be in unity with a Muslim. I can respect them, but understand, they think that my Jesus is a prophet and was only a prophet. That is offensive to me because I know the truth. And so even though I could be in business with a Muslim, even though I could be friends with a Muslim, my ultimate goal in life will be, please do not go to hell believing the lie that Muhammad is it. It is Jesus Christ, Messiah, not the prophet. And so there is respect, but not celebration. I understand that people are struggling in their sexuality. 
sometimes from molestation, sometimes from rape, sometimes from exposure to pornography. And yet there are other people who say, Pastor Mike, I always felt this way, but I believe you because people can be born with a generational curse. But don't try to convince me that God, God Almighty can't heal and restore and deliver and turn it around. Don't try to convince me that it's not possible because I know my Jesus. And so although I respect, I do not celebrate. I celebrate resurrected Jesus. Every day is Easter Sunday for me and my house. I celebrate a resurrected kid. Hey, I respect you, but I will not celebrate Hinduism. I will not celebrate the occult and witch. Crowd. I will not celebrate it because celebration is a cousin to tolerate and I will not tolerate I will not celebrate matter of fact I'm here to eradicate every single thing that the enemy has caused to come up why am I doing this now the reason why I'm doing this right now is because I, I was going to start with this I'm going to end with it People say, can a demon have a, can a Christian have a demon? I went all over the world, 41 locations last year, and I asked this one question, by whose standard are you a Christian? Because it says, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and let's carry it. And I know this has been a convicting message, but I will tell you what, I will get an incredible amount of testimonies from this message. And people will tell me, Pastor Mike, that's what I needed to hear. What you don't need is another pastor coming out like, come on, let's struggle together. No, let's conquer together. Let's get free together. Let's walk this narrow path together. Let's hang together. Come on. And I got no problem with Bad Bunny, but I got a problem with the bad spirit behind Bad Bunny. And you are not going to program our children. And you are not going to weave demonic li uh, literature into their minds through the form of lyrics, but whom the sun sets free will be free indeed. So right now across every campus from Hawaii, Miami, Toronto, here on Long Island, New York City, I, would just, I just want to ask one question. And we're going to do this across every campus. Every revival home is included. I believe that we're in the time before the fiery fire. Revelation 13, Daniel 3. In Daniel 3, it talks about this fiery furnace. Revelation 13 and 20 and 18 talks about there being a fiery trial. I believe we're in the time before that. But if you won't stand privately, you'll never stand publicly. If you don't stand privately, you'll never stand publicly. And what God is trying to raise up is a remnant in the earth. And some of you, this might even make you feel sick to your stomach because you're like, man, what about the people I know? Uh, let me tell you what about them. When you begin to step in this direction, they will see you and they'll say, I think I can get free if I walk as well. This is a message of freedom, of hope. So this thing I want to ask you is if you're willing to stand, if you want to say, Pastor Mike, I know we're headed towards Easter. I know we're headed towards the real Jesus in this series. And I don't want to be a fake or a phony. I want to be the real thing. I want to stand for him. I want to stand now in this hour. I want to deprogram my mind from the ways of the world. And I want to learn. I don't want to be Babylonian even if I'm in Babylon. I want to remember my name, my Hebrew name, my true identity. I want to know who God called me to be. Because when Ivan Marty, my best friend, when we laid him here, his sexuality was not his identity. See, people who think that I'm talking about, if your identity is so wrapped up in something that you do, you don't understand identity. The realest, truest part of you is your spirit because it's the eternal part of you. And I preached one of the best sermons for your spirit and one of the worst sermons for your flesh ever. Like your flesh hated every bit of this sermon, but your spirit, if you've been regenerated through Christ, was jumping up and down saying, yes, I know this to be true. This is why I'm on planet Earth. This is why I'm here. I've got to make a stand on Long Island. I've got to make a stand in New York City. I've got to make a stand in Northwest India. This is why I'm alive, because the Bible says, hold your light up and let it so shine before men. And so God is asking, will you shine the light of Christ? Not, no, come on somebody there is a false light but there is a true light of Christ it's not 
the ways of man, it's God's ways. If you are choosing to light the way, would you just lift your hand right now? Powerful. Whoo, we got some true believers. Come on, we're gonna have our prayer team at every location come up if you need prayer afterwards. But with every hand that's lifted right now, I want you to go into work. Come on, we gotta be willing to get some stories up in this church. When revival comes, it disrupts the status quo. I'd rather get in trouble for being a Christian. Come on, they get so many permissions for their religions and traditions. It's time that we push back and say, I'm gonna stand inside of society as a true uncompromised believer, whatever that means. And the Holy Spirit will give wisdom. But Father, I pray right now for everybody with lifted hands that you would cause them to take a stand, God. Lord, we know that deliverance is breaking out all across America. We know that the movie theaters are filling up with people being delivered. We know that the time is now, God. And so we say yes. If you're here, would you just pray this with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I choose to shine your light. Jesus, I will make you known in the earth. Use me. Speak through me. Here are my hands. I will fulfill the Great Commission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer.